Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, Shane Hitz joins me all the way from Wisconsin, and we are going to be talking all things gravel riding and bikepacking in Wisconsin today. Uh, Shane is the guy in Wisconsin. If you want to go to Wisconsin and ride your bike, you probably want to hit up Shane and ask him for some route ideas. Actually, there's a lot of great people in Wisconsin. We know that. But Shane was nice enough to join me on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about Wisconsin. We're going to be talking about some routes that he has made, the Tour de Nicolet, which is a great bikepacking route. And he has a new waterfall bikepacking route that's coming out. And he is also the race director for the Red Granite Grinder. That's a race that's put on by Iron Bull. I am going to be there this year, so I was excited to learn more about Wisconsin, learn more about the race, and we are going to be talking more about all of that in today's episode. But real quick, if you want to meet me there and uh, come say hi and stretch your legs uh, at the Red Granite Grinder, um, you can find registration details in the show notes. The race is on October 15th in Wausau, Wisconsin. And they have routes for everybody, starting with a 12-mile, a 50-mile, 85, and the 144-mile option. What makes these routes cool is that Shane has put in a lot of work getting access to private land that you cannot ride any other time unless you come and do this race. So anyway, we will be talking about that more on today's episode Before we get into it, let me tell you about another event that's coming up. This one is by Bikes for Death. It's called the Bikes for Death Takeover. And this is the first time we've done it. And we're going to be taking over Mulberry Gap in Elegy, Georgia. This November 10th through the 13th, you do not want to miss it. This is a community over competition event. Everybody is welcome. And I got Kate Gates here today to help me share with you some more details about this exciting event. I think it is very much worth mentioning that this was your idea. Um, you were the one that brought this to my table and I latched onto it. So what is the bike sort of takeover? I mean, it was your idea. Well, we're going to see, but <laughs> the goal is that it's going to be a really fun time with, you know, your community uh, and, and listeners and followers coming together underneath one roof and, coming to explore the North Georgia mountains and see what Mulberry Gap is, is all about. Um, I know that we've been partnering with you as a sponsor for a couple of months now. And, you know, it's, it's really easy to hear about a place, but to experience it and see it firsthand really is when things sink in and, and you really make that connection to this area and to the people. So, yeah, I just kind of, I know you and I chatted back and forth about it for a couple of, months about just having some sort of gathering at Mulberry Gap. And the more I thought about it, the more I just had more and more ideas, I guess, that came came to me in terms of like a vision on what it could be and its potential. So I pitched a bad idea to you and you were on board, which I love. And so, yeah, we're doing this thing. <laughs> I don't think it was a bad idea. I We can't sell <laughs> this as a bad idea or nobody's going to come. This is a great idea. And bike packers uh, love bad ideas, Patrick. This is what we do. We sign up for events and they're always fun, right? They always end up being fun. This one is going to be fun. And I think what you said, I mean, what really attracts me to this idea is is taking 
what's important for me has been figuring out ways to take, you know, an online community, listeners of the podcast, you know, people that I DM on Instagram and we like all each other's stuff or whatever. But um, how can we create an event that builds that community in the real world, especially after a pandemic when everybody's been locked up? And, you know, it just these are things that I want to do with Bikes for Death. I want to keep finding ways to get people into bikepacking outside riding their bikes and in a non-competitive environment, I think is always something that's welcome. And I think that's one of our goals for this event is to make it really easy and accessible for anybody, whether you're a beginner or an advanced rider, you know, hopefully my hope is that we can put together an event that appeals and attracts to a wide variety of people, whether you're just getting into bikepacking or whether you've been doing it a long time. Um, I really think that we want to emphasize that this is about the community and everybody is welcome. And uh, we are looking forward to seeing everyone that can make it. All right, well, that is just a taste of what we'll be doing this November at Mulberry Gap. For all the details, you can check the show notes and the rest of my conversation with Kate will be aired at the end of today's episode. So if you're interested in that, make sure to stick around and check that out. And we hope to see you at the first ever Bikes or Death Takeover. Before we get into today's episode, let's take a few minutes to thank the people that made it possible, starting with our latest batch of patrons. This week, we have Vaco Vedic and Kevin Schaefer. Thank you guys so much for signing up to be sustaining members of the Bikes or Death podcast and... If you have been thinking about signing up to support the podcast, now may be the best time to do it. Thanks to my friends over at Hefe Velo. They are going to be matching new Patreon contributions. So if you pledge $10 for the year, Hefe Velo is going to make it $20. If you pledge $100, Hefe Velo is going to make it $200. So this is a great time to sign up because you will be doubling your impact and that is very much appreciated over here in the podcasting studios. To find out more, head over to patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. No code or anything, just sign up and Hefe Velo will match your contribution. Thank you, Hefe Velo. Today's episode is also brought to us by a new advertising partner, Pashir Handlebars. You've tried aluminum, you've tried carbon, you've tried steel, but have you ever tried bamboo handlebars? I have. They sent me a pair, and like many of you, you're probably having a question mark. Bamboo handlebars. This, is it safe? Does it work? Is it functional? I've been using them for a few months now, and yes, they are safe, they are functional, they are stylish and they are comfortable. Now, originally I put them on my Chumba Stella tie and I took them out to some single track and put them through their paces. And they don't necessarily recommend them for hardcore downhill mountain biking or single track, but of course I had to go test them out and they passed my test with flying colors. Since then they've migrated their way over to the tandem and where this, these bars really shine is in comfort. They do have a little bit of flex. 
It's intentional. These bars were designed to be for long days in the saddle on the bike. And if you're like me and you suffer from hand and wrist pain, these bars go a long way to take out the vibrations of the road or the gravel, whatever the train is you're riding and provide a super comfortable ride. I believe that is their shining quality. It's the thing that I love about them the most. They come in a variety of colors. You can get the original bamboo look, but you can also get them in a wide variety of colors. So if you wanna get in on the hype, you wanna find out what this is all about, you can head over to pashir.co.nz. And if you find a set of bars that you like, use the code PASHIR or DEATH at checkout to save 10% off your order. Too much to remember or don't know how to spell Pashir? That's fine. Just check the show notes either on the device you're listening on or on our website, and we'll have links to all this for you. Now, today's episode is also brought to us by Kuat Racks. You know Kuat by now. They absolutely make the best bike rack on the market. I've been loving mine. The thing is about Kuat is that they have a plethora of racks from entry level to the most advanced rack on the market. And they have snow racks and kayak racks and all the racks that you could ever need. They also have the no worries warranty. I've been using their no worries warranty because I've accidentally lost my keys to my lock before. I've had to cut my lock and get my bike free. And Kuat was great about getting me a new lock assembly sent in the mail with no questions asked, no delay, no cost to me. And they don't just do it for me because I'm a influencer. They do it for everybody. That's because Kuat has your rack and your back. All right, everybody, bills are paid. Now it is time to get into today's episode with Shane Hits. But before we do, let's have Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes Are Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Shane Hits, welcome to the podcast. Are you ready to talk all things Wisconsin bike riding, gravel riding, and bike packing? Yes, I sure am. <laughs> you are the man, right? You were on the front <laughs> yeah. of the magazine, so yep, I yep. got the right guy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks for uh, coming on to chat. Uh it is relevant to uh, today's episode because we are going to be talking a lot about bikepacking in Wisconsin. Where do you live and are you from the area? I live in Wausau, Wisconsin. So that's like pretty much right in the middle of the state. And uh, so I grew up maybe like 20 miles from here. I lived here my whole life. And this is a rural area or pretty well developed? It's it's pretty rural. Wausau's kind of... You know, I don't know. They're, they, I think we have like 38,000 people. So it's not too oh, big wow. of a city. Yeah, I'd call and that then, small. Yeah. And then where I'm from, it's really small. Our graduating class was only 100 people. 
Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So a nice, uh, uh, not a not a huge community, but honestly, if you're talking about wanting to get away and go ride your bikes, that's usually kind of what you look for. Yeah. You, yeah. You mentioned uh, you're on the factory floor. Uh, wh- what do you do for work? I build uh, doors, so they're big folding doors. Uh, they they kind of open up to make like your living indoor and outdoor. So. We go up to like 36 feet, I think is the biggest one I see. So if you want to like, in relative to something, if you want to picture something relative to that, it would be like a semi-trailer is 55 foot. So the, the door takes up almost the length of a semi-trailer. Oh, wow. I'm imagining the houses that these are attached to are usually pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. We're high end. <laughs> yeah. So are you, a, are you like a machinist or an engineer or... No, I just build the doors on the you floor, build on them. the factory floor, oh, yeah. Man. It's probably, yeah. is that a great workout? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It actually probably keeps me in pretty good shape to bike. Yeah. I was just talking to Anna J- Jager on the podcast, and she did carpentry uh, work before her Tour Divide run, and she was giving it some credit for her physical, you know, just staying active with your job on a daily basis has to has to be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think the hardest part, I think the hardest part about that job is like standing on the cement for, you know, hours on end and that you know my your muscles get really tight. Well, that's probably more uh reason to be on a bike cuz you get to sit down and you're now moving your legs and you're yeah, probably yeah. you're like doing the exact opposite uh, you know, you're working out your legs rather than your arms and just standing there. So Right. So after work a bike ride feels really good. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so other than your job making these, actually, I'd like one of those in my house. I think I could use one of those. So if you could figure out a way to sponsor the podcast with one, that would be pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, but besides when you're not doing that, you're very, very active in the cycling community, uh, especially locally. Um, can you kind of give us like an elevator pinch on, on what you do outside of work specifically for the cycling industry and bikepacking? Okay. So I'm, uh, race director for the Iron Bowl Red Granite Grinder. Um, that's kind of a lot. That takes up a lot of my time um, with setting up the event, um, scouting out the course, and all that goes in involved in into that. Um, the other things that I do is I um, do a lot of bike packing and I scout out a lot of um, land to find perfect places to bike pack we have national forests really close to us. So it's pretty easy for me to just jump, you know, jump in the car, drive half hour to an hour from my house and, and be really out in the national forest and the remote stuff, finding good stuff and uh, set up a lot of, I set up a lot of routes, build a lot of routes. And I uh, have a website with those routes on it. Shane hits adventures at wordpress.com. And uh, so that's kind of where I keep all my routes together that I really like. Otherwise, it's kind of hard for people to look on Ride With GPS. Did he ride this route or did he not? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what is your personal motivation to be so involved with bikepacking? I mean, you could just go ride. You don't have to do routes. You don't have to be a race director. You know, what's your motivation there behind doing all that extra stuff? I really want to get 
uh, people to know that Wisconsin is a great place to ride gravel, ride uh, anything off pavement. And uh, it's, I think it's overlooked compared to a lot of the places out West. I think a lot of the places out West get a lot of hype because of, you know, you have the mountains or you have the desert and, and um, it's, it's so remote out there that a lot of people don't experience that type of event very often or that type of environment very often. But um, the same goes for up here. Um, it gets overlooked a lot. Yeah, it's so funny. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask you if you, I mean, I'm a Texan. Uh, it's, Texas is not a destination that a lot of people may think of when you're talking about outdoor recreation, bikepacking. Um, I was wondering if you felt like Wisconsin uh, also got gets overlooked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, sell us on Wisconsin real quick. Like, why are you so passionate about Wisconsin? I mean, obviously you're from there, but that means you're you know it. Uh, what is great? What are we missing? Well, we have we have tons of lakes and rivers. There, lakes and rivers are everywhere. Millions of years ago, the glacier came through here, and um, we have the Ice Age Trail. And the Ice Age Trail highlights how the how the glacier went through here. And uh, when that when that happened, I'm not like an expert on this, so <laughs> I may be wrong on what I'm saying a little bit. But it's all uh, right. You're here for the bikes anyway, <laughs> right? Right. So so the glacier carved out a lot of our landscape here, creating dells and and uh, gorges. And every melting period that happened with the glacier it happened like hundred thousand years at a time. So it'd be like um, it would freeze, you'd have ice age, and then it would warm up to about the temperature it is now. And during that warm up, that warm up lasted like a hundred thousand years, and the water um, ran off of that great glacier in torrential amounts. So it created gorges, and and um, that's one of the unique features of our landscape up here. We don't have um, like mountains, but we have a lot of hills, and um, so. Uh, those things combined make it a really unique place to to go to ride your bike through. And then we have a lot of land that says Zaida's National Park. We have the Nicolay National Forest and the Shawamagon National Forest. Both of those pieces of land, uh, one's on the east side and one's on the west side of the state, um, about an hour, hour and a half apart. They take up 1.5 million acres. And from Wassa, it's... So I can get into the Nicolet from Wassa at about an hour drive. And even, even uh, closer than that is the Lincoln National or the Lincoln County Forest and the uh, Lang Lang County Forest. That's, you know, less than a half hour drive for me to get to it. So it's easy just to bike from here to it. And um, the roads around Wassa are, there's a lot, a lot of gravel. And you don't have to go very far outside of town to get to that gravel. So I usually connect those gravel roads to the county forest and then to the national forest. So I can be on a lot of public land really quick. Yeah. Now, when you're, you know, promoting your state, are you are you promoting it also to, you know, Wisconsin's or how do you say how do you say that? Wisconsin? Wisconsinites? Wisconsinites? what you meant? <laughs> yeah, is that the right way to say that? I've never yeah. said that before. Wisconsinites. <laughs> Cheeseheads? Yeah. <laughs> Cheeseheads. When yeah. You're, yeah, are you? I mean, do you have a really f f 
uh, vibrant cycling and bikepacking community? Is is that already there and in place for you and people are really latching onto it? Or, or where are y'all at in terms of like building your local community? Well, in the in our local community, we have uh, a ton of opportunities for outdoor recreation. So just in the Wasa area for, you know, outdoor um, type stuff going on, we have the mountain bike trails. So we have uh, like, like five, five different trail systems just ran by Seawalk. Seawalk is our, is our mountain bike uh, organization, Central Wisconsin Off-Road Cycling Coalition. And um, they have Nine Mile County Forest, which is 12 miles of trails. Big Old Plain is another 12 miles of trails plus eight miles of single track. And Underdown is 30 plus miles of old school single track. Ringle Trails is our newest system, and it has 11 miles of single track. And then Sylvan Downhill Park, that was recently built. Um, and all those things, all those mountain bike trails are really popular around here. And then along with that, we have the gravel riding, and then we have downhill skiing. We have Rib Mountain State Park that has downhill skiing, and uh, they make their own snow, so they're usually open on Thanksgiving weekend all the way through about um, into April sometime for sure. And then we have Whitewater Kayak downtown, endless kayaking because we have a a river, Wisconsin River runs right through Wassa. And then, like I said before, the Ice Age Trail. Yeah, wow. And you're finding that the community is embracing and, you know, it's kind of a, a, if you build it, they will come type of thing and really getting involved. Yeah, yeah, and I I see a lot a lot of out of state plates come here, especially for the downhill skiing and the whitewater kayaking. But I'm I'm kind of want to grow the biking community a lot more. So that's my spot in this world. <laughs> Hopefully, we can do that. Yeah. So, what about yourself personally? Like, wh- when did you get into cycling, and and how did that come into your life? Well, I I was into cycling. Um, you know, as a kid with the BMX, you know, Huffy bike, stuff like that, and did doing jumps reckless like any other kid growing up in the 80s. I was going to say kids <laughs> in the 80s, man. <laughs> right. So then I mean, I got my first mountain bike was probably like, I think it was probably a two and a quarter inch tire. And, and I got that on Christmas. And um, we have groomed snowmobile trails everywhere around here. And as soon as I was on Christmas break. I'm I'm fat, but or it's kind of fat biking, but fat biking wasn't invented yet. And I'm out riding the snowmobile trails all the time, you know. And then um, as I got older, uh, I uh, when I got my license, then I kind of strayed away from cycling for a while. You know, I got into snowmobiling a little bit, and then once my kids got older. Uh, probably 2012 then i started biking and i bought like a decent mountain bike started riding the mountain bike trails and then i saw tour divide film i think most people probably get into bike packing just from seeing that film a lot yeah yeah and then or ride the divide i should say yeah 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 you know what i mean and then um so i uh wanted to get into bike packing really badly and then in 2017, I bought a good bike packing bike, a uh, Surly Ogre, and 
I signed up for the Tour de Schwamagon. Dave Schlebowski puts that on. He's a really big name in uh, bikepacking in our state. He has the, if you've seen it on bikepacking.com, the newest, one of the newest rides up there is the Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin Waterfall Loop. Oh in, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I'll pull it up while we're talking. I didn't know. I know. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk more about that, but I didn't know it was already on bikepacking.com. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tour de Schwamagon has been on there for quite a while. So Dave organizes the Tour de Schwamagon and um, that's, you have to pay for that event. And I was willing to pay to learn more about bikepacking and um, it was a great, great experience because all the people that were on that trip, um, it was a mix of people. It was a mix of some that have done it for a little bit, some that have never done it before, and then just like myself. Um, but I did actually go out on one one ride by myself before that trip because I was really nervous. I didn't know what to expect. So I'm like, I don't want to be this newbie here <laughs> um, showing up and not even knowing what's what's going on, which you know, isn't the case at all. The bikepacking community is amazing. They, they welcome you in. And, uh, so, so yeah, Dave was, uh, instrumental in, in bringing me into the bikepacking world. Um, so he's one of my good friends to this day. If I uh, did the math correctly, you would have picked cycling back up about the age of 36. What happened? Why at age 36, did you pick cycling back up? Uh, I got really unhealthy actually for a while and uh, I lost, well, I started running and because I have high blood pressure, I was actually on high blood pressure medicine and it, I, my health was kind of bad, you know, looking back at it. And I lost 50 pounds by starting to run and then starting a cycle. And now I like am at that level for a lot of years now, at least eight or wow. 10 years. That's amazing. Did you change your diet as well, or did you just do it primarily through exercise? Um, I changed my diet for the longest time. I was um, eating really healthy, and then now I I cycle so much that I kind of eat whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the uh, benefits of riding a lot is uh, you yeah, do yeah. get to, yeah. But, you know, if you're living a more sedentary life and you don't have the time to get in big miles and stuff, uh, yeah, I found as you get older, you definitely have to kick that diet in too, because <laughs> you can't always, uh, can't always keep up. I've found. Yeah. Cause every time I, every time I get injured, it's, you know, I have, if I have to sit for a while, then I have to completely change my diet, um, and make sure I'm eating the right stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. I love to hear when people use, I mean, anything to just uh, live a healthier lifestyle, but it's not uncommon where um, cycling and running seem to be two that people really get into. And then uh, I'd be curious if you're still a runner because most people eventually transition just to cycling, mostly due to injuries. No, I am not. When I started uh, this living better, I was actually going to the gym because it was winter. So uh, I didn't have, uh, yeah, I didn't have a decent bike back then. That was probably around 2008 or so that I started eating better. Okay. So speaking of Wisconsin being a great place, your area in particular to go bikepacking, I mean, you have all the public land, you have the gravel roads, you have the waterfalls. It sounds idyllic. What about 
Are there any challenges? What would you say are some challenges to riding and specifically bikepacking in that area? Um, the weather for sure, because it rains here quite a bit. So then the roads turn a little soft and you got to kind of prepare for that. You don't want to have a too skinny of a tire bike. My, my tires are two and a half that I run all the time on my bikepacking bike. And then I do have a fat bike also that I use because um, we do have a lot of sandy areas of the state. So it's not uncommon to get like if you go bikepacking either in Bayfield County, way up, way up to the top or in Marinette County off to the east, you can go 100 miles of sand easy. Okay. And let's say, okay, oftentimes you're building routes for, because that seems like what you do, or it seems like a lot of your riding might be around doing things for the community uh, and the cycling community at large. But if you can plan your perfect ride or bikepacking trip in your area, what, what is your personal favorite type of riding to do? What, what gets you really excited to uh, go and explore your backyard? So when I, when I build a route, it's got to have, it's got to have uh, each day off the road where there's no cars. So each day has to have some stuff that's off the road. So, so even like no ATVs, stuff like that. So it's long grass through the, through the water on the single track. River crossings are the best. You can find a river crossing. That's amazing. So. What, what do you love about, because I mean, is that a, a barrier for cars? Is that what you love about it? Or I don't know. It's just fun carrying your bike across the river going, you know, <laughs> going, going that extra distance. <laughs> So if you're planning, a, if you're going to go on a ride, I know you're quite a bit of a planner, but um, it sounds like you also like to kind of explore and, and get lost a little bit. How, how, what is your approach uh, in that way? Do you, do you plan a lot or do you like to go get lost? I like to get lost. Um, I'll throw it on the road on Ride With GPS for sure before I go out and ride it. But um, a lot of people know that those some of those roads don't really exist or they're super old or whatever because you're looking at every I'll look at every different map layer there is when I'm throwing a route together, especially you know if it's over a hundred miles, you know for sure I'm gonna do a lot of planning into that because I don't want to come to barriers, which you do sometimes. You come to private land or whatever. I mean the road looks like it goes through on the map, but then it's private land, and um, so yeah. Uh, I do a lot of exploring. If, I mean, carrying the bike over trees and stuff like that, but I'm not going to set up a route like that and put it out <laughs> to the public and say, here you go. Good luck. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's why you're the ground truther. You you get to go out there and pioneer it. And yeah, whenever you give it to us, it's already good. You already went through the, the kinks. That's why we need local people, boots on the ground to find the best areas, find the best routes. You mentioned uh, cars. That's a, that's, obviously on a lot of people's radars when they're uh, picking routes and places they want to go ride. How hard is it to get away from cars? Is, is that a big issue or um, is it pretty easy to put together those routes and not really have to deal with traffic too much? I can put together a route and not have to deal with traffic very much. I can go uh, probably a whole day with seeing maybe a dozen cars and ATVs combined. Um, yeah. But when I say I want to get to places where cars can't go, I really 
I really just want to get to places where cars can't go because of the challenge, because it's unique, because it takes people to places that, like, if, if I'm going to go out and ride that route in a car, that's easy. Anybody can do that. But then you get to play, you know, a place where you can't go with a car. No, hardly anybody gets to see that stuff. And for example, on the on the Marinette County waterfall loop that I have on my on my website, um, I actually found a waterfall that's not named. And uh, the only way I found it was like a satellite image. I could see something. I'm like, I gotta go check that out. So there's this uh, really long grass two track. There's cars that go back there. Maybe maybe they're hunting back there. I don't know what they're doing, but they don't go back there very often. So it's pretty grown up. Then you get to the end of that. It's like a lollipop where the cars turn around. And then, um, so I, I set the marker out on Rideout GPS. And then I use my uh, Garmin to walk to that, you know, walk through the bushwhack to that spot, to that marker. And I see like these super old ribbons tied to the tree. I'm like, oh, it's got to be the right way. So going in further, going in further, find it. And amazing waterfall. Rocks are all covered in moss. Looks like no one's been there in years. And that's an amazing find. You got to send me a picture. We'll put it up on the website when we post this episode. That'll be cool. Okay. <laughs> the unnamed uh, and and just discovered waterfall by Shane Hitt. So yeah. I, uh, you, you get to name it, right? Is right, that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk to the authorities. Uh, <laughs> I wonder even on, I don't know how Google map works too much, but I wonder if you could just like right click edit name or something or add it. I bet you could submit it to Google somehow. But you know, I don't want all these people knowing about it except for bike packers. That's the only people I want knowing about it. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So we'll, yeah. Well, then that makes it way simpler. You just get to name it. We'll all adopt it and accept it as is. So yeah, it's only named on Rightwood GPS. That's the only place. <laughs> what does it have? What is it named right now? I didn't even name it. I didn't think of anything to name it yet. Oh I'll man, I'll have to think on that. I'll sponsor. We'll call it the Bikes for Death Waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I think you should. Uh, I do think you should think of a name, though. I think that's yeah. pretty pretty yeah. awesome. I uh, never thought of that. I might have to do that. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. I like names. Uh, what about my friend uh, Brett Stepanek? He's around your parts, isn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, but I've actually never met him. No? So I, I, need to, a, I need to meet him sometime, and he needs to come to my race. Brett, yeah. come to the Red Granite Grinder. <laughs> come on, Brett. What are you doing? I'm going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll call we'll call Brett and see uh, see what we can do. Yeah, there, I I don't know a lot of other uh, bike packers from uh, Wisconsin. I know. Um, well, oh gosh, Alexandra Hushin is. Oh, Houchin is yeah. uh, from. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that she's from there. Yeah, that's awesome. And also, um, I'm tr- Embark Maple. What's his name? Yeah, yeah, they're from Eric. Stevens. They're from pretty close here, Stevens Point or something. Yeah, I want to. Uh, yeah, he seems like they just seem like great people. Do you know him? No, I don't. But he actually contacted me. Um, actually, I think it was this morning. He wants to know what route should, he should ride because he's got five days. <laughs> oh, sweet! So you're the guy. You're yeah. known. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, he. Uh, I think he was mentioning he might be at the Red Granite uh, Grinder. He, yeah, he is a sponsor this year at the Red Granite Grinder. So Ruby oh, cool. Coffee is a sponsor. Oh, and Ruby Coffee too. Yeah. 
And wow, look at that. Wisconsin's showing up. So you're getting a lot of good good support. And there is uh, some really neat community activity going on there, which yeah. is obviously super exciting. Yeah, I didn't mean I didn't mean Eric contacted me. I meant the uh, I forget his name from Ruby Coffee contacted. Oh, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it was. I don't know. Someone contacted me from from Ruby Coffee. I don't there's a, there's actually a lot of people that contact me about relics. So, oh yeah, that's I mean, awesome. That's a good thing. I like I like when people talk to me about it. And I like to hear how their their experience was. So, right. So, are you making custom routes for people, or are you just mostly uh, kind of promoting the routes that are already out there? Mostly promoting the routes that are kind of out there, but uh, people do ask me to make a custom route for them once in a while. Yeah. Well, this is perfect. Uh, I wanted to talk about some of the routes that you've developed. So let's get into get into that, um, because it sounds like there's obviously a lot of interest in riding in that area. So hopefully a lot of people can benefit from um, us talking about it a little bit. The first one I was thinking about is the Tour de Nicolet. Is that how you say that? That's how you say it. So it's French. Yeah. yeah Nicolet is French. Nicolet. I got it right. That doesn't happen often. So, I mean, you you were, I mean, just for context here, you were kind enough to invite me out to a, a, a group bikepacking trip that you do every year. Um, unfortunately, that was the weekend that the uh, end of the Tour Divide was happening, and I had to make the hard decision to go out to the Tour Divide, um, which was a bummer. That's Well, that's a pretty awesome thing to get to do. <laughs> It's 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 all good stuff, right? It's yeah. all good stuff. So I'm choosing between two two good things. What did I miss, man? How was it? Did y'all have a good time? It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I I did find a new waterfall that um no one knew about that that one. Does, I don't know if that one is the name or not, but I I did find another waterfall and I put that one on the 2022 route. Every year the Tour de Nicolet is different, so. Um, I have all my different versions on my website. Uh, 2021, I liked the best. The 2022 had the waterfall on it. And uh, everybody that was probably everybody's favorite. Um, one person did get a little sick on. I don't know if he had ate something wrong or what. He ended up dropping out. But other than that, it was a really good time. Oh, nice. Weather held up for y'all? It was amazing this year, the weather, because uh, we're in a little bit of a drought which is unfortunate, but um, that made riding a little easier because we had no rain. What about the, uh, the ticks, the mosquitoes? Mosquitoes are, the mosquitoes weren't that bad this year. They, uh, I think um, this was probably one of the better years for mosquitoes and um, the ticks were probably average. <laughs> ticks were average. <laughs> yeah, average. You get, I mean, when you, <laughs> if you're riding one of my routes and you have to go through the, a ski trail that I throw on there, and, um, that the one ski trail comes to mind uh, from my Pickerel Buck 40, that route, um, that's a gravel route and uh, ski trails on there. And um, I have, I create Strava segments too, which I find humorous <laughs> to do. Just and uh, the one Strava segment through there is I call dibs on the ticks because <laughs> you come you come out of there at least with a half dozen of them. Oh my gosh! But right now, this time of the year, they're they're kind of dying out. Yeah. So I mean, what is the best way to mitigate ticks, mosquitoes, or 
Uh, are you just checking yourself at the end of every night? Like what, what, are, what are the tips for people who are coming in out of state and aren't, aren't used to dealing with ticks and mosquitoes at that level? Well, ticks, I don't really care about cause you can just pick them off at the end of the night. Um, yeah, but if you don't, they'll give you Lyme disease, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I think DEET would probably be a, a good way to stop that from happening because you need DEET anyways, anytime you're stopped with mosquitoes and, Oh, this year, I think like the biggest thing was the black flies. Nothing stopped black flies that I, that I found. Oh my God. What are black flies? The, like oh, deer, new? deer flies? I don't oh, know okay. what you call deer. them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, are there the big biting flies? Uh, the little, they have big ones, but the little ones are the worst, I think. Okay. We have, here we have horse flies. Yeah. Horse that flies. Are, that are huge. Yeah. The horse flies are huge. They attack you. They they will follow and attack you. They're just yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah, and we found we, we talk about this a lot too. And you know when we're riding in groups, and we found that that they can travel. I think we figured sixteen miles an hour. <laughs> and if you go faster <laughs> than that, you're okay. But bike tech, you're not going that fast. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some horse flies on the East Texas Showdown uh, here in in Texas. So um, yeah, uh, you're either going downhill or you might get it being bit by by those. So yeah, just part of the type two fun, huh? Yep. Yep. Uh, well, why don't you give a like an overview like of Torta Nicolay? How would you describe the route? Okay, I, I would describe the route as um, let's see. I'll pull it up here really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's. I think it's 75% gravel from when I figured it out last time. I know Ridewood GPS doesn't always get those gravel roads in there correctly. Um, the one thing that I really like, also like to find on a, on a road is the best eating places. So um, all my routes have the best eating places labeled, um, burger stands and stuff like that. Um, but uh, Tour de Nicolet, it has... It starts out in gravel, kind of two track, and then um, got we have some railroad bed in there. Um, gets into single track in the first, let's see, first fifty miles for sure. You're in single track, Nicolet Rocher single track. That's amazing stuff. There's huge boulders in there, uh, and then dispersed campsites everywhere. Uh, Dispersed campsites are some of my favorite things too, because uh, camping where there's where there's not any people, where you don't see any people, amazing stuff. Yeah. Uh, and how many miles overall is it? The let's see, I know it changes every year, but yeah, yeah, twenty twenty one was three thirty three. Twenty twenty one is probably my favorite route. If I had to like give someone one of the routes and say you should do this one, twenty twenty one would be it. Okay. And it was how many miles? 333. And when you do this, like as a group, uh, what are you recommending on or people? I mean, obviously someone like that, you're just going to kind of tell your fitness level and stuff. But whenever you ride it with your group, how, how do y'all usually break that down? How many miles you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're doing how many days, how many miles? Yep. We're doing about 70 a day and then we'll do that five days, the 333. Yeah. So really manageable. Yeah, it's it's not really hard stuff to do, but um, there's hard stuff throughout. It's not like you have all miles and miles of hard stuff. Uh, there is one really sandy section. Uh, if you bring tires measured in millimeters, you're for sure going to be walking some of that. But um, 
I can ride all of it on a two and a half inch. So what is, what's your difficulty rating for the, for the route? Uh, I would, I would say three, four. It's okay. It's not that difficult. What's your beauty rating? Oh, it's really, Ooh. really good. I mean, cause you're in, you're in the green. If you go in June, July, August, September, you're in green the entire time. And if you go in the fall and you hit those peak fall colors, that's amazing. And the trees, the trees canopy a lot of the roads. So it's just amazing. So it's, it's up there like seven, eight. There isn't the waterfalls on it, but there's a lot of rivers and a lot of lakes. Yeah. What was your, you know, you didn't just make the route out of nowhere. What, what was your goal or motivation behind creating the Tour de Nicolet? It started out like way back. That's the first area I rode before I went to the Tour de Schwamagon when I didn't want to feel like some weirdo, you know, didn't know anything about bikepacking. So I, I started out up north. My wife dropped me off up north and then I rode um, south on it and I only did like two or three days and I thought it was amazing. I've never biked in it. I was never biking in it before. And back then I didn't have any kind of uh, device like navigation device. So I was using paper. I was using like post-it cards or something. Uh, And I had all my directions written down on post-it cards. But the problem is there's a lot of those roads don't have road names or their forest number, whatever. And so I did use my phone, I remember, to navigate my way through. But so my my initial time through there was, I thought it was so amazing that I had to keep going back there and create something new and create something new, newer. And um, the second year, I think it was the second year that I did it, I did get one other person to do it with me. And uh, back then, a lot of my friends didn't know anything about bikepacking. So I was the first one, really, of my friend group that did bike packing um other than uh chris shots he he's really uh older like he he's written a lot of stuff before but that was back when it was uh panniers so it was bike touring but he did the stuff off road with panniers way back in the 80s or 90s uh when was the first year of the tour de nicolet when 2017 was the first time okay. i did it so myself. we're on probably iteration five with COVID. Yeah, yeah, iteration five. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, I uh, it's you've done it five times. I assume people are liking it. They keep coming back. You're going to yeah. get feedback. Yep. Yep. And I get a few new ones every year. And uh, I I think um, I get a lot of the same people back. But once in a while, there's a new person that'll ask, "Can I go on it with you?" And Usually, yeah. That's as long as they're they're willing to do what I throw at them, <laughs> you know. Cause some, and not talk about religion or politics. Those are the only rules. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Which I think is a great rule. It is really. There's a there's a time and place for everything, right? Yeah, you go out there to get away from it all. That's it. Yeah, time and place for everything. Yeah, I can definitely get behind that. Um, how did how did you make the route and, and how long did it take you? Did you do any of it by car? Was it all by bike? It was Use all by bike. GPA? Nice, nice. How long did that <laughs> so, take? Well, from the first time I did it, I just threw it down on a 
map and and then I wrote down the directions and I said this is there this is what I'm doing but luckily it was all the the gravel roads it's pretty safe stuff that I wrote the first year I didn't get into any of the into any of the two track back then once I like so you were just picking forest service roads that were on a map yeah that should be there conceivably right. yeah. yeah yeah so every year it got more and more crazy I, I get more and more crazy stuff every year and um like I said, uh, I follow rule of thumb that each day has to have stuff you can't go on on a car or ATV. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and I like the reason, too. Most people do it for a safety reason. But there's the additional benefit of seeing things and places that other people don't get to see. And there's there's a greater value if you have to um, work to be in a beautiful place. I think you can appreciate it, um, a little bit yeah. more or a yeah, lot it's more. Not, it's not at all for a safety reason, because I do only see a few cars out there really. Uh, and people are driving through there pretty slow usually. And, um, it's, it's pretty safe out there. So from a logistical standpoint, um, it's, it's not a super technical route. What kind of resupplies? You said there's tons of camping, lots of disperse, dispersed camping, but what about food? Um, can, obviously, there's a lot of rivers, so it sounds like water is not an issue. Yeah, water is not an issue. The, um, you go through a lot of National Forest campgrounds, and those have hand pumps, so the water is for sure not an issue. Um, and I do have like the dispersed campsites because I just like those, but... On the map, there is option of dispersed or options of uh, regular campgrounds, the National Forest campgrounds, which, you know, those are like pit toilets and uh, hand pumps and very remote. And then um, for the food, there's there's plenty of food everywhere. There's a lot of little small towns that have existed for a long time. 2020 really took a hit on those towns. Uh, some of those restaurants closed. Because they you know, just can't find the um, employees to work at. So that's unfortunate. But um, there are some amazing food places on that route. And that's that's one of the things that I really aim for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm with you with the East Texas Showdown, getting to highlight some of those small towns and communities, little restaurants, whatever. Uh, it's nice, and they appreciate it too. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure they do. Um, the one of the, this year on one of the stops was at uh, it's a barbecue pit called Roadhouse One Thirty Nine. That's that's something that's got to be on every one of my roads. There's like a you know Wabi Lodge, and that's another one Wabi Lodge and the Roadhouse One Thirty Nine. Those have to be on every one of my roads because they're so good. So it's a barbecue pit, and you wouldn't expect that in Wisconsin, but they do a good job, and. Uh, it, it, we got a lot of hype when we got there, um, maybe from people that the beer was flowing a little too much with, but they really loved, <laughs> they really loved our, our bikes and some of them never seen anything like it. And, um, with my a funny story is that one of them with my bike packing frame bag, they thought it was my motor for an e-bike. So oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never really thought about it that way. I said, no, it's just human power. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's outside of most people's, uh, you know, spectrum of what they experience on a daily basis. Like you said, you were the first out of your friend, friend group to adopt it and you introduced it to some people. And I love going out to those small communities and, 
everybody is super curious like what you're doing but i like to think it it, it it hopefully crosses a bridge you know especially if those are positive interactions and the next time they see you out there in the forest recreating you know we can all respect each other and um i like to think that it bridges some gaps hopefully yeah for sure it's you know you'll always wait for the atv years to to you know be friendly and stuff like that because that's probably most of what you see out there is ATVers or UTVers. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, give them a wave, absolutely. One thing I was thinking about, I was just driving down the road and, you know, mo- two motorcycles passed each other and they they waved. And I actually, I used to be in the motorcycle community. I actually owned a motorcycle business for a few years, um, many years ago. And so I'm very aware and familiar with motorcycle culture and and waving is in a sign of acknowledgement it's a way of saying hey i see you and uh and 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 like because you're you're the you're the little guy out there amongst cars and 18 wheelers and all this yep. stuff and 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 a wave is is not just it's it's like a sign of like respect and hey we're do we're in this together kind of thing yep. and it's always it surprised me that the cycling community doesn't adopt that quite as easily because we are we are the lowest on the totem pole whenever it comes to vehicles that are recreating outside, whether it's ATVs, motorcycles, cars, trucks. I mean, we are at the bottom. Right, and uh, right. I think I think we could go a long way by being friendly, not only to other people, but ourselves too, and right. acknowledge each other out there on the trails and highways and byways or wherever we are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why that is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that everywhere, though, right? Yeah, it it is. It really it's like, is. It, it's a thing, and I I don't know what it is. Maybe we'll fix it. But that was just a random thought. Yeah, superiority. I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, let's acknowledge each other and be friendly. So this this route toward Nicolay, uh, is it only published on your personal website? Have you yes, considered that, putting it? Well, there's a. There's a couple other, one other website for sure that uh, the NXRTH is kind of a new website up here, um, and it's run out of uh, Josh Rizzo and Eau Claire. He does a really good job with his website. I do not. Uh, <laughs> I'll just put, you know, because I don't spend a lot of time on it. What I, I just, I have a blog on my website, and I have my routes. So I just, that's what I want people to just get the information. Um, I'm, I'm not a photographer by any means and so i consider my stuff not really um ready for other people's websites but josh likes my stuff and he posts it on his his website and um dave schlebowski has a website too and um he posts on his 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 website is life above eight and um he does a pretty good job but he doesn't post a lot of stuff but the stuff that he does post is really uh legitimate It it seems like there, I mean, from talking to you, there's a lot of interest in the area and your route seems to be well received. Are are professional or or really good photos the only thing preventing you from like having on bikepacking.com? You think? Yeah, I think think so. (laughs) Oh, that's a bummer. And maybe when I'm up there, we can, I don't know, maybe I'd take some pictures. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dave Schabowski is a professional photographer too. And, um, we're, I, we're going to be doing the Marinette waterfall tour and he's going to be helping me put that together so I can get it on bikepacking.com. Okay. Interesting. 
he I assume David has he come to the tour de Nicolet? He did one year, uh twenty twenty. Oh okay. COVID year. No yep. pictures though. No, well he, no, no, he did take he did take pictures, but it was a completely different route. So Oh yeah. Okay. So he needs to like in order to do that, we really need to write it again with him. Yeah. Or someone well, there's, that, you know, some sorry. professional. <laughs> Yeah, someone or yeah, with a yeah. with a camera. You know, my yeah. my strategy is take a million photos and you'll get ten good ones. So that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate that like I I feel that way that I can't send it to bikepacking.com because you know I know this stuff, but I understand too that they're running a website and um, in order to get clicks, they gotta get you know it's gotta look good, and it's gotta yeah. be flashy in the world of Instagram and and all that stuff. That's yeah, what sells. It, it it does matter. I mean, uh, I I personally enjoy really good route photography. It's part of what helps tell the story. It's what helps yeah. draw people in. Yeah, for um, sure. I, I do want to just uh, because I was actually reading this on bikepacking.com last night. A completely different route. I don't try to remember which one it. Oh no, I was reading about their. Um, they're doing a fill the map challenge. Uh, they're trying to get people to send in you know sub twenty four hour overnight. Uh, trips and I'm I have one that I'm wanting to submit and so I was just reading through their rules and in the comments section one of the people commented and said you know one of the limiting factors is the requirement for this high-end photography you know there's lots of great routes and POIs and the you know it's barbecue 139 you know like it's the good stuff right it's but they don't have the photography and uh, Logan commented um, and said that, you know, the reality is, is like the new iPhones, the galaxies, there's, there's cell phones out there that are capable of really capturing some great photography. And, and I think, I don't want to speak for them, but I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, for anyone listening that I, I think that they're open to um, iPhone photography as long as it, it still has to be good, you know, but if you know how to work behind an iPhone, yeah. Uh, just something to consider for you or, or for them. I think that that's something that, at least from that one thing I read from Logan, um, that's what he was saying. And they actually changed the rules for filling the map to include, um, I think it says sometimes iPhones and galaxies are acceptable or, or can get the job done, something, something along those lines. That's interesting. I know that they must uh, they must not have gotten a lot of uh, a lot of routes in because they I know they extended the deadline for that. Yeah, so yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, and I yeah, I wonder if photography is an issue or, um, yeah, I have no idea. But it worked for me because I have a route um, that's going to be part of my race this next year that we haven't really announced yet. Um, but it's a perfect overnighter, and it's already developed. I already know it's good. I already got photography. Um, so I was like, oh, there's an extension. Oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll send mine in. You know, why not? Um, so they got me. They got me. Yeah, nice. Uh, w you mentioned your waterfall route, and you and Dave are going to go ride it. So I I'm trying to make this make sense in my brain. So David... Um, also published a waterfall route in Wisconsin that's now on bikepacking.com, but you have a different one? Yeah, so his is on the northwest side. So uh, his runs from Cable, and uh, Cable, Wisconsin, and it runs up to Lake Superior and in that area. And the one that I developed is on the east side of the state, so it's in Marinette County. And um, that's an area that he explored a little bit, but then he didn't really... Um, 
like it that much because he thought he couldn't get a really good way through without without getting on a or without staying on a, off of a lot of blacktop. But I did find some some good stuff because I spent a little more time out there. I didn't really know that he didn't uh, that he didn't like that or didn't spend a lot of time up there. But um, then we we kind of came together. He said he said maybe we should uh, put something together for an overnight or for the overnighter and it's well it's a little bit longer than overnighter i said so um i forget how many miles it's like 200 miles so it's a little bit longer with the sand it takes a little bit longer to do that one and then he said you should put like something together with a um like auction off a spot for the seawalk the central wisconsin off-road cycling coalition that's our i was talking about it before our single track uh, group he should he said you should auction off a spot of someone to go on your trip because um you're like legit in the cycling community and people would pay for that kind of thing i said really people would pay to go on a ride with me he said yeah they would so um i did that turns out they did i i don't remember what they paid i think like 200 bucks or something mm-hmm. so we have we have someone going along with that trip and um, dave's gonna photograph it and see what we get when we're done Oh, sweet. Has he now, it sounds like he has not ridden this, your waterfall route yet. He has not. No. Okay. Uh, so have you ridden his, uh, parts of it? I, I wrote his in like different parts. His was just released this year. So, um, I actually, <laughs> a funny story. We, me and my friends, uh, I think it was Chris Schatz and Candace Jenkins and David Leibel. Um, we went up and then, uh, Kelly O'Day was the other one. We went up there and on a whim and I just pulled up one of his routes because I knew he was a good route builder, but I pulled it up uh, off of uh ride with GPS. And this was one that he didn't like, he just threw it on and didn't really ride it yet. And we went out there and we got, we get into some stuff where we're taking our bike for trees and, like uh super narrow passages and trees it took us we probably went a quarter mile and and a half hour it took us to go a quarter mile because we got some so thick of stuff because the road you know looks like it exists on the map again (laughs) right with gps you know so um yeah we did we did part of israel way back and uh saw a moose up there that time that was one of the biggest highlights of the trip It'll be interesting if uh, I can. Was it a bull moose? Actually, I want to yes, know. Yes, it was. It was a, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> oh, amazing. We're, uh, we're, it was a big hill we were going down. Candy was in the lead. Bull moose jumps out of the ditch right in front of her. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, scared I can't her. Imagine. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're what? Usually about they're eight huge. feet at their shoulders, and then right. you got the antlers. So, do, do they call them antlers or horns for bull moose? Oh, I don't, you know? I don't know oh, for well. sure. It yeah. doesn't matter. Whatever those big things are on their head. Right. Yeah, I've never, uh, I've never been, I've only been close to elk before. Never a, a, a bull moose. I can't even imagine how uh, just massive they are. Yeah, moose are pretty rare here. So that was something. First time I've seen one and the only time I've seen one in Wisconsin. Wow, that's amazing. Well, it'll be interesting to, uh, we need to get David's feedback on your waterfall route. We need, we'll need him to give an unbiased opinion Whose is better, or maybe 
maybe they're both great and you have to do both of them. When we talk, when we talk about waterfalls, like, are we talking swimming? Are these like 500 foot waterfalls? Like what, what, what are we no. looking at? Um, they're probably, um, biggest ones are a little over a hundred feet. It's still, I think. A, yeah, that's yeah, it's good, good size. but there's yeah. some, there's some nice ones you can swim in with, um, really nice pools in it. And, um, yeah, I always like swimming in them. Always. Oh, yeah. Well, that's one of, I mean, other than the beauty is always, yeah, having a nice little watering hole and a swim spot on your route is goes a long way, especially during the summer months. Yep. Good opportunity to stop, get naked, and check for ticks, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well kill two birds with, or kill two ticks with one, one stone, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, should we talk about some red granite grinder? Are you ready yeah. to get into your? Yeah, uh, let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's so get into the race. <laughs> let's get into it, man. This is the one that's coming up. This is the yeah. the big one. Um, so coming up, what October thirteenth through fifteenth? Yep. Red granite grinder. This is your um, gravel race. I'm gonna be there. Uh, that's happening. Taking pictures, talking to people, and uh, checking out Wisconsin for the first time. So I'm excited about it. We're excited to have you up here too. Yeah, dude. I'm, I mean, I've never been to Wisconsin. Uh, I feel like I'm basically going to Canada, right? So yeah, uh, I'm yeah. basically in Mexico over here, you know. But. Yeah, weather weather could be any time that time of the year too. So <laughs> I, well, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about weather later. I do want to get into weather. Yeah, for sure. What what is Red Granite Grinder? What is it? It's um it's ran by Iron Bull. Iron Bull was a nonprofit organization, and um, Iron Bull started up in. 2019 and um that's they developed a ton of different outdoor races and events to get people to um enjoy the outdoors and see what wasa has to offer uh we feel we could be the next bend oregon really hmm. uh for outdoor rec for cycling yeah. like for out, just... for outdoor rec because of all the things i told you we had with the downhill skiing the whitewater kayaking and uh, all the kayaking regular kayaking and the biking all that stuff combined well i mean i don't know as much about uh, the, the other sports as i do about cycling whenever i was thinking about wisconsin and Wausau, i uh, northwest arkansas came to mind it's a little bit more familiar to me but you know a little bit more rural smaller town but has clearly become a mecca and a you know tourism hotspot for people in the outdoors, specifically any kind of bike packing, mountain biking, single track. So you really see Wausau as like an undiscovered. Wausau. Oh, sorry, Wassa. Yeah, Wausau. Wausau <laughs> as a uh, undiscovered and untapped like outdoor recreation market. Really. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and uh, we don't have the we don't have a lot of people here, which makes it really nice because our freeways are not crowded. Cool. You can go all, you know, all day on the roads and see very few cars on the gravel for sure. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. When, so the red granite grinder, are you, is that a route that you developed or routes that you developed? How did it even come to fruition? Okay. So, um, Shane Stewart was the first, the other Shane in our cycling group, Shane Stewart, he was the first one to be asked to be on the the Iron Bull Red Granite Grinder, a race director. And then uh, he really couldn't uh, because commitments he had. So then um, they asked me to do it. And I didn't even know this 
Iron Bowl thing was going on back in 2019, they just asked me and I was like, really? That's awesome because that's amazing. That's what I want to do is get people on gravel around here because that's what I, I do a lot of gravel riding along with uh, mountain biking. And the gravel here is amazing. Super, super smooth. And the group rides that we have done, it's just super fun. It's it's what really got me into into all this is the fun of it. Yeah. So um so then they they asked me to do that and then uh Shane teamed up Shane Stewart teamed up with me for the first year and we put together a loop. Um it was it, we we uh started this process like in April and we had till October which isn't a lot of time. It sounds like a lot of time to put a road together, but it's no. not. No, it's not. No. You know? <laughs> so, no. so um, it wasn't the greatest road, and, but it, I don't know. what year was that? 2019. Year. Okay, 19. Okay, yeah. so you're, okay, you're, so you're four years. This will be your fourth? Yeah, this will be our fourth. Year. Fourth year, okay. Fourth year, yeah. But we did get 100 registrants. It was uh, a lot of people, you know, closer within the state uh, and uh, the winner of that, that was 140 miles the longest the winner of it. He came from Chicago. Uh, he finished it in like eight hours. Amazing time. Oh, wow. Uh, and, but one, of, there's a couple of things I didn't like about the route. So um, I kind of, with the feedback too, we got, we had some feedback that I went on roads that were a little too, too many people, uh, county roads that were blacktop. There was a, little too many people on those so i took those those suggestions to heart and i i started over a little bit kind of uh, that winter uh just by chance i'm i'm out fat biking looking at this piece of uh land up in newwood area and that's new newwood area is up in like the very north end of what is now the one uh 144 mile route so it's the very north end of it and I felt, I'm like, this place is amazing, but I'm looking at it in the winter when there's snow everywhere. There's no grass. It's all covered up. It's, it's like tons of snow. It was, I think it was actually New Year's Day. And I, the road I was going to take turned out to be private. Guy comes along and he's like, he, he was the rudest guy ever. He's like, don't even think about going down that road. I'm just looking at it at this point. Don't even think about going down that road. That's private road. Take your toys and go somewhere else. I'm like, really? <laughs> so, so then um, I, I rode around. I, I ended up talking to some people that were, they were hunting something. I don't know, Bobcat or something. And they had a snowmobile in there. And I said, where's the best way to get through here? And they pointed me at a road, but it was gated off. They said, we use it. I don't know. And that that ended up being private property too. So I didn't go down and it was all covered in snow. It's like, you know, knee deep. I'm not going to be walking my bike through knee deep snow for three miles just to get to the other side. And then um, that, that day I put on 50 miles scouting that area. And I came up with a plan that I'm going to come up here. I'm going to talk to these landowners. I'm going to get away through here. So to put that 144 mile route together, I talked to, I think it was three private landowners and then um, a lumber company that owns some other land. And they all let me go through. They were super nice, super nice. And it worked out amazing because, because the top of that route, 
goes through all that private property. There's a lake back there that no one knows about because it's on private property. This this little two track spurts along the edge of that lake. Amazing. And uh, then you come out on a, on a dirt road, which is where I wanted to come out on a public road, and then take that dirt road a little ways further and get onto some more two track, which is owned by the uh, Department of Natural Resources. And so that's pretty easy to get access through there for an event. And uh, you cross a creek. Um, and creeks are, like I said, water crossings are amazing. I love them. <laughs> then cross the creek and then come out onto uh, more forest roads and then make your way back down south. So I had the top end of that route created. And then I just uh, used most of what we had on the bottom end. And that's what we have today. Wow. That's, so the really neat thing about that route is true to form, you are now taking people on roads that they wouldn't have access to any other way other than riding it during your race. I mean, this exactly. is private land. So yeah. you're not going to get access, you know, the other 364 days of the year. If right. you want to go and see these spots and ride this right. route, there's really only one time to do it. That's interesting. Right. And it's not only those spots on the 144. We have spots throughout on the 85 and the 50 so that so like how the how the routes start out is uh 85 and 144 go up rib mountain and rib mountain is a 800 foot climb and you do it within like mile and a half or something like that so it's pretty steep and then you get up to the top and normally every other time of the year you have to turn around and go back down people do that people you know do rib repeats because that's you know what they do it's good good exercise good training yeah, absolutely yeah and then um we got permission for this one day only to go over top of rib mountain and around the quarry and then you descend down a rough rough um hiking trail and that's where everybody's flats happen <laughs> you bring two narrow tires sorry you know you're only 10 miles into the race that's where your flats are going to happen oh my god well pro and, tip right though yeah right. go ahead yeah, and then so so bomb down that that um, back down 800 feet all the way down to the bottom. So, oh, and also on the top of Red Mountain, there's a hike a bike section. So you have to carry your bike probably um, about three quarters of a mile, and because it's very it's too rugged to even ride it. No one you can't ride that stuff because the rocks are too big. So then you you bomb down the hill. If you have big enough tires, you don't get a flat. <laughs> And then um, at the bottom, we have a new section this year. Goes past the uh, race track, uh, like a stock car race, you know, stock car races. Oh yeah, yeah. Like an oval track. Um, that's all private dirt property. Or, dirt or pavement? What? Pavement. I don't know oh, much okay. about stock. I don't know much about stock cars. <laughs> I don't either. But, but either way, we go. We we. I was uh, picturing right? an old Dukes or Hazard, you know, dirt track or something. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah I got you. All right. <laughs> we're we're way up in the north woods here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Get anyway, uh, so so yeah, you you uh, take that the the trail actually goes on the first corner of the racetrack, and then you go off of the racetrack onto the snowmobile trail. Uh, which isn't used for anything but snowmobiles any other time of the year. So it's long grass. You go through long grass. That's a new section. And then you pop out onto a road that's maybe a mile long, new section of private land. Um, we take pride in all the private land we're getting, as you can see what I'm getting at here. <laughs> and then 
And then, uh, because that's amazing working with all these people in the community and, and most of them are super nice about letting you use their land and then, um, get out onto the main road to go through nine mile county forest and then into the school forest, school forest, let us use their land and, uh, amazing stuff back there too. Wooden bridges that kids use for hiking and, um, all kinds of really cool. Some of our best photos were taken in the school forest. Wow. That's really interesting, man. You've definitely taken a unique approach to route creating and not only a unique approach, um, but, you know, the legwork to talk to all the different landowners and land managers and get all the permits. And per- I mean, yeah. that is a huge it's, it's undertaking. Huge. Yeah, it's huge. And um, and a lot of credit goes to Andrea, Alex Shinners and Andrea Larson. Andrea is the uh, executive director of Iron Bowl and Alex is the assistant executive director. They do a lot of the legwork for me with getting permissions, but I do some, too. And it's it's crazy the amount we have to go through. But um, then there's another private land section we have new this year. And um, that section, I like was riding past it. I, I, was, I had my eye on it for a long time on the satellite. I, I see this perfect piece of land that went through a farm field or perfect track that went through a farm field. And so I had my eye on that for like two years now. And then I saw someone out working in the shed, a farmer, and I, uh, just take the chance, go over there and talk to him. And he's like, well, it's, I think he said it's his sister's land. And I said, Oh, okay. Um, he said, he said, I'll give her your number. That's your race. Sounds really interesting. I was like, Oh, cool. Thanks. And then, and then she calls me that same day and she's like, I heard you guys want to run a bike race through my land. And I said, yeah. And she's, she's like, that's awesome. I was like, really? (laughs) I mean, I wasn't even expecting that. Sometimes you get the best, you know, the best reactions because you aren't even expecting it. And then she said, yeah, and you can, you can for sure ride through there. And that's like another half mile of private land goes wow. past right through a farm or through a cornfield. That's amazing. And then, I love, I love that they're so receptive to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the 50 mile course this year, we, uh, I, I said, I got to give these guys something because they don't go up. Fifty mile course doesn't go up remote because it's more of a route that kind of gets people into gravel riding. Yeah, a good introduction. Right, you got to introduce people easily. You can't just say you have to go through the worst stuff. But then I, I said I got to give them something. though. they got to get something out of this. So then I found uh, Willow Springs Corn Maze and talked to those people, and they said, "Yeah, sure, you can ride." right through our corn maze you'll be the first ones to go through before we open it up for the haunted corn maze and like the first ones ever to go through it for the year and she said she said go ride it i went out there like uh two weeks ago or last week or something she said go ride it right now and see what you think i said the corn's already cut through there she said yeah yeah it's uh it must be done on like gps or something because it's like exactly the same every year and so i rode through there and it's just amazing and then i i pop out at the other end and i see like i didn't know this but i see a farm a two track through another farm field that leads up to a barn that's probably a half mile or quarter mile probably a half mile away and the barn is and then i go and talk to that landowner i said can we uh run the race right past right down this two track and right past your barn he said sure (laughs) 
right past the barn, right through his yard. <laughs> Man, uh, should you be like negotiating for our government at like a higher level? Like you have a you have an well, insane uh, high yes rating for getting yeah, people to like well, let you host events on their land or through yeah, their land. It's pretty impressive. Besides that, besides that guy in the winter that told me to take my toys somewhere else. <laughs> That's still pretty good. Miles yeah. Arbor almost got shot for trying to go camp on somebody's land once. So you know, it, there's levels to that game. But no, you're you're putting in the work. Well, I think that uh, the whole thing I get from this is that there's a lot more nice people out there than there are the rude people. I, yeah, I think that's true. And, and it's good. I mean, that's good for people to know. I mean, both that people are open and receptive to that. And uh, the, the, the other thing is you really do have to put in the work and the time and go talk to people. And it's not it doesn't just happen. You know, it, it takes a lot of work. I was going to... Um, ask you what you know there's a lot of gravel events right i mean gravel is very popular what makes your routes your event special i think you just answered it i mean yeah I think, yeah for I sure think that because, is the answer yeah okay so how many how many gravel events go on the off-road sections in private land i don't know of any really there might be yeah. some you know but i don't know any other, yeah yeah the other thing is how hard it is this this event is so, so hard. The 140 I'm talking about. The 85 okay. is really hard too. Uh, but the 50 mile, the 50 mile is very, like I was saying, is a good introductory route. But the 140 is so, so hard. And um, I get, my wife and my daughter have, they run the aid station at mile 100. And mile 100 is way up at the top end. It's right before the river crossing. But right before the, mile 108 station there's a bunch of two track and and the private land and and all that and she gets so many comments who designed this road they're crazy they're insane and it's like that'd be my husband talk to him because <laughs> <laughs> this well, stuff is it is hard yeah well a lot yeah. of people like a challenge yeah uh, exactly and that's why that's why this event should uh should be on people's radar did you design it in a way to where, you know, the 50 mile is an introduction, the, I believe that you said 85 mile is kind of the intermediate and then 144 is advanced, not only in, in distance, but in technicality, is this like you would graduate uh, yes. in a sense, maybe? Yes, for sure. Um, the, the 50 came about in, I think, the year 2020, and we, we wanted something that would get people into gravel riding. And so that wasn't the 50 wasn't always out there. And so, so yeah, yeah. What, sure. how, I mean, for people who are interested in, in signing up, who is each distance geared to? Who are you trying to attract? And, and what would be a good fit for people on each route? The, the 50 for sure that people that have never done a race, they like it because it's attainable to them. Uh, they don't feel like it's something that they can't do. Uh, it does have more blacktop on it because we we um, it takes a while to get the gravel. Like I think I think it's like six miles out of town before you get to gravel, and then it's it's hard for me to get very high percentage of gravel on a fifty mile route. So it's a lot easier because they're on pavement a lot more and. Um, and the fun factor is there. They they go away from that event saying, "Hey, I can do that." 
next year I want to do the 85. Same thing with the 85 mile riders. They use it as a stepping stone. They'll do the 85 one year and then they're, they'll say they're going to do the 144. Uh, sometimes they do the 144, but sometimes they'll say, no, I'm going to do the 85 again because I'm still unsure. I didn't train hard enough. But the, the 144 is definitely geared for people that are uh, very high level. Have you, uh, this just popped in my head. Have you, I feel like the next progression is another Shane hits route. That's like, so you go 144, but now we need like a, you know, a 380, a 400. I have you know. been thinking about that. <laughs> right. It has yeah. to happen because yeah. I mean, you, you can't, you can't let people hanging, man. They do with a 144. They're going to want more. Yep. Yep. So how hard is the 144? Let's be realistic. How uh, how difficult? What kind of challenges are you really facing? Because one well, thing as a race or a route creator, you don't want people signing up for the wrong thing. You know, I mean, okay. things happen and stuff, but yeah. Okay, so the, the 144, 38% of the people don't finish it. Okay. That's how hard <laughs> it is. So. Okay. <laughs> What else do you need to know? So what <laughs> makes it hard though? Climbing, terrain, like what makes it hard? It's like uh, the, the climbing for sure plays a role in it. Let's see how many, I, I forgot how many feet of climbing it is total. I got to look back at the ride with GPS route here. It's got 60, 6,200 feet of climbing. So in 144 miles. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, um, the climbing on it is like really, really hard at the beginning because you got climbed at 800 feet up remote only to carry your bike at the top for three quarters of a mile and then bomb down the other side. And you got to have big enough tires that you aren't going to get a flat on the way down. So then you're riding, if you choose big enough, bigger tires, Chris Schatz, he rides, he rides 2.6 inch on a Fargo and he finishes the 144. But it's but it's hard to do it with that big a tire. Um, what do you what do you recommend? What are you seeing people being most successful with? What type of bike and and tire uh, is probably the most appropriate? The the winners are probably running forty fours. Yeah, on a yeah. gravel bike. On a gravel bike, yeah, yeah. But but Chris Schatz, he's he's one that'll just do it to finish it like me. That's like me too. You know, I do things oh, just yeah. to finish. I'm not a racer. Really? Oh, no, 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 but there's people out there that like to go fast. If Brett comes, yeah. you know, he'll be wanting to go fast, yeah. but he might be on his Fargo and a 2.6 inch tire and single speed and still going fast. So, <laughs> so, so the other thing that makes this, uh, this race really hard is the, what the weather can do to you. So the first year we had rain and, um, our gravel doesn't get too bad with rain, but, but with the cold that we, we have, it's, you know, like it'll be a 35 degree start on probably that's probably average 35 degree start. And then, and then the high temperature for the day will be like fifties, which isn't bad, but then you throw rain into it. That makes it hard. That makes it hard. And then the second year we had it was the snow year. The snow year was amazing. We had probably an inch of snow on the ground we woke up and from what i remember i don't think we were expecting snow <laughs> and but the photographs from it were amazing and the 
all the comments, whenever we post a picture online on Facebook or whatever for it, the comments on it, I love that year. The comments are. But there's a lot of people that didn't finish it. There's a lot of people that brought the wrong gear, the wrong clothing. I had people turning around right from, you know, they, they didn't even make it out of town. They're turning around and coming back. I don't have the right clothing for this. Wow. We saw that on, uh, we see that at MedSouth too. They could be rainy, muddy. It could be hot. It could be snowing. It's, uh, yeah. it's it can't really be hot. It can't well, be hot yeah. here. <laughs> we'll take hot out of the equation. Yeah. <laughs> so plan to be cold, plan to be cold and maybe wet as well. And uh, maybe wind and maybe fighting a headwind. Oh my for gosh. Half of it. Can't, can't be a headwind the whole time. Okay. Yeah, last, half year, half la- <laughs> last year was the wind year. Oh my gosh. Why do most people drop out? Do you have a sense for that? The uh, most people on the 140 drop 144. They drop out because it just becomes too hard or they're not going to make the cutoff. We have a cutoff at uh, 7.30, I believe, this year. We moved the cutoff. It used to be, it used to be a little bit earlier because we're trying to get people in before it gets too dark, just for safety. Yeah. And um, a lot of people drop out because of they're not going to make the cutoff. And then there's a lot of people that drop out because it's just too hard. Uh, last year, I had someone trying to do the 144 on a fat bike, and he couldn't do it. He ended up riding home with uh, my wife and daughter. They gave him from the aid station at 100. He made it up to 100. And then there's people that drop out because they're busting derailers or getting flats. Yeah. What, uh, one thing I didn't think about a whole lot before becoming a race director is ex- extraction off the course. Uh, if you're having such a high percentage of, you know, scratches, y'all are pulling a lot of people off the course. Do y'all have like vehicles for that or? No, no they're expected to get their own, make their own way off or have okay. their own arrangements. It just happened that he was at mile 100 and my wife said, yeah, if you wait, until we leave, yeah, you can. <laughs> but th- here's here's a pro tip: if you um, if it's a rainy year, especially, we have a drop bag option. So you can we have at our aid station fifty and aid station uh, one hundred. The one hundred forty fours can take a drop bag to each one, and the uh, eighty five milers can take a drop bag to the mile fifty aid station. Then you can throw clothes in there. That's like that helps immensely. Yeah, throw a complete change of warm, dry clothes right. <laughs> or anything you want. Some yep. hand warmers. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, man. What do you? What? Uh, what's your prediction? What kind of weather are we going to have this year? I, I, I kind, it, you're kind of making me want to have snow. Snow sounds fun. It's it's amazing. <laughs> snow is, but uh, I think this year is going to be the warm year because we haven't had a warm year yet. Warm, I'm talking like sixty degrees. Okay. If we well, have that 60 degrees, pleasant. Yeah. If we have 60 degrees, then there's going to be a record set on the 144. <laughs> there's going to be a record yeah. set on every course. Oh, for sure. I'm hoping, I mean, coming from Texas, I'll be hoping for warmer weather for sure. But uh, yeah. I'll come bundled up. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, what about the scenery? I mean, you call it the red granite grinder. Is, 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 are they all, or is there a lot of red granite? That's um, what we, that's what we have here is, uh, a lot of granite and it's red so the roads are Beautiful. all red but it's not it's not like um up north they have a lot of iron ore in the ground so you everything gets red from that like the dust from it it, it doesn't do that your bike doesn't get all full of it uh, the roads are very hard packed 
they're mostly rid. There's a lot of uh, farm equipment out there at that time of the year because there's the harvest going on. Um, so they're very, very smooth running roads. Um, the problem people have is when they get into the off-road sections and they're dispersed throughout the course. Um, and how does rain impact? It sounds like the granite, obviously, you're not going to have too much issue with rain, but off-road no. sections, are they getting pretty nasty? Yeah, they get slick because slick they're on grass and stuff like that. They get pretty slick. <laughs> That's where I want to be posted no. up for some photo ops if it's yeah, raining. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's where I want you to put me. I want to be, yeah. see people suffering. Yeah. yeah. I want to see people. Yeah, come on out to this event. I'll take your picture while you are suffering. And I'll, uh, I'll smile and wave. <laughs> uh, oh, I wanted to ask you about how the community is receiving this event, how you're getting them involved um, with, with, with your race and your event. Yeah, we're really pushing it, getting the community more involved uh, with this and, and that they know what's going on. Uh, uh, one thing that we're doing is this year we're going to have a concert on the Friday before the race, the night before. We're going to have a concert on the square that's uh, for everybody. So the band Through Crimson, they're a local band, uh, rock, kind of like uh, 90s rock. They're going to be playing and uh so we're hoping that a lot of people from the community come out there and we're going to be selling beer too. So along with that, we're going to have a beer unveiling. Um, Kevin Eichelberger from Red Eye is brewing up a beer for us uh, that is specific for the Red Granite Grinder. He has had um, the, I don't remember which one he had in the past. He's had a beer in the past, but I told him brew, brew us up something like specific this year that's brand new. So he's going to have something brand new. And I told him whatever he wants. He's the, he's the brewer. He's, it's his um, thing, you know. He's the yeah, specialist. I'm all for, yeah. <laughs> I don't like to go to a dentist and tell him how to do his job. I don't like right. to go to a brewer and tell him how to make beer, you know. Like, yeah, exactly. Hit me with your best shot. Yep. Yeah, so we're going to have the beer unveiling right before the concert. And then uh, also we're going to have a group rides on Thursday and Friday. Thursday's group ride is going to be 60 miles, so it's a tough group ride, but we're going to be heading up to the north end of the 140-mile route, and we're going to be getting a little deeper into that one, too, uh, stuff that you aren't going to find on the grinder, but uh, we're also going to do stuff, the best stuff that you do see on the grinder, like the creek crossing and some of the private land. Not all of the private land, but some of it, because we got to save some of that stuff for the people <laughs> that are you know, paying for it, and then... Um, so that's kind of a long group ride, but hoping to get the community and that um, day up there is, for and that. And that one's Thursday? Yeah, that one's Thursday. And then, and then Friday, you're doing a 25-miler? Yeah, a 25-miler on Friday, and that one's very easy. So we call that one the what, what a big ring hydrate. So a big ring, throw on the big ring on the front, hydrate. Okay. So you Friday hydrate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that one's pretty pretty easy ride, and that one's not on any of the courses. It's just like... 95% gravel, uh, very flat. Oh, wow. Is that starting from downtown? No, no. Both these rides are out of town a little bit. We, uh, we're going to be parking at churches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, churches yeah. are great for parking. Yeah. I as use long them all as they the time. Said, yeah, they said as long as they don't have a funeral. It's like nobody die. <laughs> nobody die on those days. Oh my gosh. Can we please have nobody die? Just in general, <laughs> but also on this day. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
So I'm going to ride one of the group rides, and I think I'm going to take pictures of the other one. Do we know which one I'm going to be on? You should. I think you should do the. If you're going to ride one and take pictures on one, I think you should ride the 25, take pictures of the, the 60 mile because there's like we're going to get into the bush on the 60, so you're going to get some good pictures up there. And if if I if I have you go out to the creek for sure, you'll get some good stuff out there. Yeah, that sounds. I that's kind of what I was thinking from a photograph. I mean, from a riding standpoint, obviously, you know the the fifty nine sixty mile one sounds pretty epic. Um, but from a photography standpoint, it sounds like that's the one. And then the other cool thing is, um, if I do the twenty five, it's more casual. We can chat while we're riding. We yeah. can get to know each other. We can probably drink a beer while we're riding. I mean, anything's on the table. And anybody, anybody that's in the group can talk to you, find out a little bit more about you, find out a little bit more about me. They can ask me on either of the rides. They can ask me all the questions they want about the routes. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll be on both group rides then? Yes. Yeah. But I'll be on my single speed. So I'm going to be hanging out in the back of the group. Yeah. I run, yeah. I run 32, I run 32, 18 right now on my single speed. So I'm like only riding at like 13 and a half miles an hour. Oh, that's a great speed, man. That's a yeah, great speed. Yeah, and I've speed. done... So here's one thing. I've done the 144 last year. I did it in just under the cutoff time. I was like 11 hours, 45 minutes on the single speed. Uh, Pamela, my wife, she brought up food and water for me halfway through. And I, that's the only time I stopped. I stopped talking to her for a little bit, got back on, rode the rest. I sat in that saddle the whole time. Wow. Got it done. For 11 so, hours. Yeah, so if I can do it on a thirty-two eighteen, anybody can do it. Yeah, are you are you allowed to race? Don't you have to be no. directing? No, I okay. Sorry, I did this uh, in the summer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I so that's why you, she brought that. you food. So yeah, yeah. She was your resupply point. Yep. Yeah. And, otherwise, she's yeah. otherwise she's at the aid station. If you want to talk to her, she'll see her up at the hundred mile. Yeah, what's her name? We'll have to say hi to her. Pamela and my daughter Julia will be up there. All and right. Then, yeah, you mentioned Pamela. Yeah, yeah that's right. and then Joey, my son, he volunteers for the um, for the on um, Rim Mountain section to get keep people going in the right direction. There's so many trails on Rim Mountain that we got to have volunteers up there to to keep people going in the right direction. That's another thing. The volunteers, we have yeah. some great great volunteers. I mean, they come back year after year after year, and uh, we couldn't really, we couldn't do it without them. So that's, that's amazing. How many volunteers, it. how many volunteers do you have? Do you know? I uh, no, I don't know offhand. I'm sure it changes every year anyway. Yeah, it does because, um, we need people, um, well, we got four aid stations on the 144 and then three on the, three on the, um, 85, but all those are shared. And then we have one on the 50 mile. So we have a lot of volunteers just for aid stations. And then we have some in the, at the beginning of the course, just getting people through um, certain sections uh, that are like single track and really difficult to, to patch your way through, especially on remote. Yeah, man, it's yeah. awesome. You know, it sounds like you've thought of everything. I mean, and, and I, you know, every year uh, you get better, right? You, you're on yeah. year four, so you've yeah. had more feedback and yeah. uh, you've had more time to just make it better. Yeah, yeah. We have, we uh, send out a questionnaire after the race and I really take that feedback to heart. 
Um, some of them I'm not going to do, but you know, <laughs> some of the, some of the stuff is really good feedback, and yeah, I take it to heart. I've experienced the same thing with my own events. I love the feedback; it's super valuable. Uh, and yeah. like you, sometimes I read the feedback and I'm like, I appreciate it. I know what you're saying, but also. I did that in, on purpose. <laughs> yeah, know, like yeah. some of it is like, yeah, no, that's just part of the deal, and you know, you can't make everybody happy. But it yeah, does sound the, like a super. One of the things that people say on the that I really like about that I I take a lot of pride in is starting at downtown. People love that. They love our downtown start, um, and that's something I got criticized about when I first started this race. Oh, you can't have a downtown because you're riding riding blacktop out to get out of town. Why, why would you do that? Get it out, you know, be out in the middle of nowhere, start it. And I said, no, the downtown is where it has to be at because that's where everything is. The lights are all on. So it's, it's just an amazing, amazing environment, especially when the snow, the snow year made it epic, the downtown start. But uh, then to start downtown, we have a police escort out of town. And people just love the police escort because it's just it just makes it seem like bigger than life you know so it's just like a neutral rollout until you get to gravel or no they go with the speed of speed of people they just lead it i mean oh wow so you know, people they're... are actually racing uh with the escort yeah the escort's taking the lead but they're they're going the lead is the escort is is going just as fast as they're going to go oh, okay. as the lead's going to go. So how and far, uh, how far until the escort peels away and they're on, you know, safe roads and don't need the escort anymore? Let's see. Um, it's not very far. Let's see. Looking at my, I have to look at my map for this, but, uh, like three and a half miles. Oh yeah. That's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing really. Oh, but okay. Yeah. It's, it's it's weird that you got so much flack for three and a half miles. That's like, you know, I was picturing something a lot more dramatic, but yeah. it seems quite reasonable. <laughs> yeah, it is. And and then when you, the, the really cool thing about the start, other than, I mean, the police escort is amazing. And then you cross the, um, the river in Wausau, the Wisconsin River. And that's kind of when you start going out of town. But then at the same time, when you cross that river, the sun is just starting to come up. And that's amazing in itself, but you can also see Rib Mountain in its full glory. And that's what you're going to have to climb when you reach it. And Rib Mountain, it's a sight. It's like, it's tall. And you know, you have to climb that in a little bit. <laughs> and mile, mile six. Daunting. Mile six is where the climb starts for Rib Mountain. So, so what time yeah, y'all uh, kick it off if you're watching the sunrise? Um, six o'clock, I believe. Or no, seven o'clock. Sorry, seven o'clock. Okay, seven o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm. A, I do. I ride a little bit of the route at the at the start. I get. I ride like sweeper, and I ride over Rib Mountain and then through the school forest, just to make sure everybody made it through those areas and let the volunteers know that their job for the day is done. And um, the coolest thing last year was crossing the Wisconsin River, and I look at Rib Mountain, and all I see is a bunch of dots from the headlights from the bikes. Oh yeah, and a line a, of line of yeah. lights. Yeah, within the forest, they're like blinking because they're going in between trees and stuff. And it was an amazing sight. 
It sounds beautiful. Can't wait, man. I'm really excited. It, it really sounds like a, I mean, it sounds amazing. It sounds beautiful. Um, you've put in a lot of work to make unique and one of a kind routes that can only be seen um, at the event. Is registration open right now? Yeah. Yes, it's open right now. And uh, if you register before September 1st, you can take advantage of the lower price. Otherwise, after that, we're going to have a price increase. Yeah. So we're register now <laughs> <laughs> register right now head yep. to your local web browser <laughs> yeah. uh where do they where do they point the browser though like where can people register and come ride with me and come check out the whole shebang ironbowl.org so i-r-o-n-b-u-l-l.org and then, oh, easy yeah then just click on the tab on the side to events and then go down to the Red Granite Grinder. If you want to sign up for a different event, there's a lot of other events on there too. Nope. They want to do the Red Granite gra- red gra- <laughs> red Granite Grinder. Yep. I know how to talk. That's the one yeah. you want. No, yeah. I mean, it does sound like I know that, that uh, I've checked out their website. They have a lot of great events in the area. Yeah. Um, one, of the other, one of the other events, I want to tell you about another event that I put on is the Essential Gravel. They tell you Essential about Essential gravel. Yeah. 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 So um, in 2020, pan- out of the pandemic, we didn't know what was going to go on like everybody. We didn't know if we were going to have a race, you know? So I said, well, Andrea, we got to have something. We got to, because we got to keep our name going. So we got to have something. And this is only our year two. So I said, let's have a gravel ride that's free in June. Because if so, we don't know at that time in June what's going to go on. So let's have a gravel ride that's free, but people can do it whenever they want. So it's a race they can get prizes for, but they they uh, register for it on the site by either scanning a QR code or register online, and then they submit their results um, just electronically, send them in, and it's just on our system. Oh wow! So so essential gravel. I came up with that because of essential workers. And gravel is essential, right? Absolutely. <laughs> to what we do, to what we do, it is absolutely yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I have this event for it's a week long event, and you do it anytime you want. It's I have it over Father's Day weekend on purpose that way, so get families out there, and yeah. um, there's families that do do it. We've had we have prizes for kids and prizes for adults. We had the first year of it. Uh, one of my friends, James Seliger, his daughter, Karina, finished it in uh, the 44. I have a 44, uh, 25, and a 10 mile rut. She did the 44 at age nine. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot. On her own, the whole thing? Yep. Well, with the with her parents, of course. Well, yeah, but unassisted, yeah, I, yeah. I should say. But unassisted. No, unassisted. Unassisted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot, yeah. man. That's so, a lot. Yeah, so what I, I did, I designed that route um, using our rails to trails and roads that are, this is on the east side of Marathon County. And um, one of the rails to trails was like one that's like, heck, it's very little use. And I really wanted to get people to see that trail and use it and um, take advantage of it. It's kind of growing up with grass a little bit, but the, but the state does take care of it by mowing it. So they do stick money into it, but it's a really, you feel off the beaten path and, and it goes past a train museum, like a little, a little train museum that's 
uh, of from a long time ago and uh, goes past three different lakes. It's really beautiful route. So to, to get info on that one, is that at Iron Bull as well? Yes, yes. So, okay. And, just, and to do the, to, cause you said you could do it all year long. There's prizes, but then you said that there's also like a week. Um, no, not yeah. all year long. It's, um, it's only open that one week a year. Oh, okay. Maybe you said, oh, yeah. okay. So is, you, any, you can write it any time within that week. You can right. register online and that makes you, uh, eligible for like the prizes that you have. Yep. Yep. And you can write it as many times as you want to. Ah, <laughs> and did you say that one was free? That's free. Wow. So you're just getting sponsors to to help out with that one, I guess, to make it make sense. Um, I mean, we, we do have sponsors uh, for Iron Bull and we just, I mean, this costs us very little. I mean, we have just the prizes that we give away. They're just, yeah, uh, they're not a huge prize or anything, but yeah. that's the only well, cost that's a- in it really for us. Yeah, yeah. The, one of our biggest the right one, out there. One of our biggest sponsors this year was actually the Green Bay Packers. I mean, like what? most well known. I shouldn't say biggest sponsor. It's not the most money, but yeah, the Green Bay Packers gave us a pretty good check. What? <laughs> Why would the Green so, Bay Packers? I guess they just promoted. We applied for it. We applied for it and got it. Well, I want the Houston Oilers. They don't even exist anymore. <laughs> no, I don't they know. Don't exist. But yeah, that's. I mean, it's amazing. To have that that's kind crazy. of that kind of spotlight, yeah, that's that's shot. Well, it's just so different, you know, the crossover yeah. between NFL yeah. and bikepacking and well, gravel. It's, it's athletics. <laughs> yeah, I love it though. I mean, make it all. I mean, it, it just shows. Hopefully, that yeah, cycling, gravel riding, bikepacking is becoming more. Um, you know, I don't want it to be too mainstream, but yeah, it's nice that people want to uh, support what you guys are doing out there for sure and help it happen and see uh, see the value in that. That's yeah. big. Yeah, and we're we're starting to get a lot more sponsors now. Um, I have the prize that we're going to be giving away this year. I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, is we're giving away cutting boards, and I got those all made from. I work at Colby Windows and Doors. That's where I work, and. Um, they gave us all the cutting boards. And then I'm having another guy is um, doing all the engraving in it. Um, well, it's going to say Iron Bowl Red Granite Grinder. And um, it's going to have like singles. I have a single speed event this year too. I told you that. And it's going to have like the single speed ones are going to have the single speed cog and, and, uh, and uh, sprocket on it. And then um, we have a cutting board for every age group and for overall finishers. So there's a whole pile of cutting boards I have. I, have my, <laughs> I, I filled the, the back of the Prius was filled up with cutting boards. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to, I guess, oh, well, yeah, cheese. You obviously want to be cutting all your cheese yeah. on your new cutting board, <laughs> right? There you go. <laughs> Awesome, dude. Well, appreciate it, man. I'm I'm really excited to uh, come out and check it out. I've never been to Wisconsin. I'm totally sold and excited about the whole thing. I'm looking forward to getting out there, hanging out with you, riding some bikes with people, and checking out a new place to go um, recreate recreate outside. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that in my book, yeah. you know. People got to really come up here and check this stuff out. I mean, 
if you want, if anybody wants information on, on some bike packing routes, let me know, shoot me an email. Um, and you, you're going to post my website up there. I take it. Yeah. Yeah. I was about uh, to say, we'll, we'll, I will link to everything to yeah, Iron Instagram. Bowl, Instagram, your website. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is if you're interested in riding in Wisconsin, you should probably hit up Shane Hits. Ooh, look at that pun. That's a good pun. <laughs> hit up right Shane on. Hits. <laughs> Man, I should do this for a living. <laughs> Quit your day job. Oh, man, I'm trying. All right, buddy. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. I will uh, link to every, everything in the show notes on the website, make it easy for people to find. But um, it does sound epic. I'm looking forward to being there and hopefully seeing a lot of other people from the Bikes for Death community out there as well. Yeah, I hope so, too. It's going to be fun. It's going to be cold. It could be snowing and raining and all the things. Yeah, looking forward to you being here, too, and looking forward to riding with you. Yeah, let's do some riding. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, have a good night, uh, and we will certainly talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye, Shane. Take care. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode, and thanks again to Shane Hitz for coming on the podcast and telling us all about Wisconsin. I am really excited to be up there this October, checking out a new area, riding bikes in a new area, um, kind of hoping for good weather, but also if the weather turns nasty, I think it's going to make for some good pictures and just an all around good type two type fun time. And uh, I think I'd be fine with it either way, but no matter what your pleasure is, if that sounds like a good time to you and you'd like to hang out and ride bikes with me, you can register over at ironbull.org, or you can check the show notes. All right, and for those of you who are interested in hearing more about the Bikes or Death takeover at Mulberry Gap, here is the rest of my conversation with Kate Gates. For people who don't know, um, where is Mulberry Gap? I mean, we've obviously talked about it a lot on the podcast, but give people an idea. If they sign up, they want to come. Where is Mulberry Gap located? What are they going to be signing up for in terms of, you know, the the natural resources and and even maybe talk about your establishment, you know, Mulberry Gap, the place we're going. Yeah. <laughs> the place we're going, the place we'll be gathering. Yeah. So Mulberry Gap is located in Ellijay, Georgia. So we're about an hour and a half northwest of Atlanta, about two hours from the airport there and about 75 minutes um, southeast from Chattanooga. So for those that are interested in coming, but driving really isn't feasible for whatever reason or doesn't make sense, uh, those airports are going to be the best places for y'all to fly into. And then there's um, going to be an option. Uh, we're going to get community members together to either carpool if they want and coordinate that. Or there are also some shuttle services that will pick you up from those airports and bring you to our facility. So easy to get here. Hopefully we're, we're trying to make sure that it makes sense for a lot of folks. And yeah, I mean, we're going to be gathering for a optional bike packing night on Thursday night. And uh, that's for folks that can and want to come a little bit early and maybe test out their gear, just bike pack in a new place with some other folks without having to tackle it as an individual. We're just going to go for 
a single overnight on Thursday. There's going to be multiple routes to get to and from that campsite, pedaling there Thursday and coming back to Mulberry Gap on Friday. So you're not committed to any kind of crazy mileage or hard single track or anything if you don't want to. Um, but if you would like to make it more challenging, then those options will be available to you. And we're going to really just get together and, and like you said, just build community, work on networking with, with each other and getting to know a lot of new faces and having some really good food, gathering around some campfires, having some good beverages, and uh, there'll be cabin and campsite options available to everybody. Yeah. So um, one thing worth mentioning on those ride options is we're going to have ride leaders on all, all the different routes as well. So no drop rides, everybody will get to camp safe and lots of different options. So that's, that's actually pre-event. That's even before the event starts is we're going to have a little bike packing trip that everyone is welcome to. And that's on Thursday because, well, maybe people can't get off work on Thursday, but um, on Friday is kind of when the real event event kicks off. So check-in is at two. We're going to do a meet and greet group ride at three. And then dinner at the barn will be provided and an after party with a bonfire and, and a little bit of camaraderie uh, to close out day one. It's worth mentioning also that with the packages, I want to make sure we outline that, you know, what you're getting is your stay, whether you're camping or in a cabin. Um, both of those are available to you. And then all of your food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is all provided. Coffee's provided. Um, you have a saying at Mulberry Gap, just bring your bike. And uh, this this event is, is a just bring your bike event. You know, once you get there, all you need is your bike and a smile. And we're going to provide the rest, a lot of fun, festivities, food, and places to stay. Did I miss anything? No, I mean, beyond some of the fun stuff that we have, I know that we're going to be doing some educational like presentations, some scavenger hunts. We've got a ride with GPS on board as a sponsor for that. So we've got some fun things in the works that we're still kind of detailing out how, how everything's going to come together, but we're going to be kind of announcing those in future presentations to you guys about this event. And yeah, the food's going to be great. The rides are going to be fun. The social gatherings are going to be a really good time. So we're also, we also have quite a few sponsors on board already that have donated some really amazing prizes. So we're going to be doing a cool raffle towards the end on Sunday before everybody heads out. Yeah, the scavenger hunt is, uh, I think, going to be a lot of fun. Um, we've outlined a whole afternoon on on Saturday to do that. And we're not going to give away too many secrets with a scavenger hunt. We don't want anybody cheating and getting ahead. But um, yeah, the whole thing is just going to be geared towards, I would say, you know, bikes, community, fun, and education, you know, and, and, and we're trying to figure out the way to bring all that together and put on a really good event. The other thing that's worth mentioning is you can go to mulberrygap.com. You can visit their events section. Um, registration is live. You can see the entire itinerary, everything that we have planned, and you can register there. Please, if you have any questions about the event, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And we are also 
open to sponsors. If you are a company or you know of a business that might want to bring value and be at this event, we would love to talk to you. Or if you're in a band in the local area and you want to come or not local and you want to come and play some music for us, this is a new event. We're just launching it. There's a lot of things that we have buttoned down, but we're still open to having conversations with people in the community that are excited about this event the way we are. So if you'd like to um, get involved or if you'd like to be there and have questions, just holler at us. Um, you can reach out to Mulberry Gap on their website or you can always email me at bikesfordeath.com. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And more importantly, we'd, we'd love to see you there. Yeah, it's going to be a really good time. All right, Kate. Well, I am excited. I really appreciate, I genuinely, I appreciate you reaching out to me with this idea because I'm always looking for ways to figure out how to build this community. I think this is going to be a great way to do it. I think it's going to be hopefully appeal to a wide audience. And I think the last thing worth mentioning is that this is a very limited space event. Um, at this point, it's only open to 50 people. Uh, so far, I think we have about 15 people signed up, which is great. Can't wait to see all of you. But if this is something that you're interested in, don't delay because there are only 35 spots left. Yeah. And thank you, Patrick. We're super stoked about this. Excited to be partnering with you on it and to be able to meet more folks in the community and really build some lasting memories and relationships. Well, all I need from you is to just have perfect weather that weekend. And I think your job is done. <laughs> it's going to be chilly, but it's going to be perfect for campfires and all sorts of fun. Hot tubs. Oh, yeah. Good. We can finally break out the hot tub. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kate. You know well, it. I appreciate it. Over the next few weeks, um, we're going to be featuring other presenters and activities that are going to be at the Bikes Are Death Takeover. So stay tuned for that. But if you want to register, head over to mulberrygap.com, check out their event section. And of course, you can find that information in the show notes as well. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Patrick. All right. Well, I'd like to close out today's show with a quote that was sent to me by a friend this week. And the quote is actually part of a larger article that was sent to me, and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And the quote is this, pay attention. This is your life. You're going to want to know what it feels like. I like that quote, very simple. And to me, it means sit with the good, sit with the bad. If it's bad, evaluate it and pay attention to it and maybe do something to fix it or course correct. Our life is made up of moments. Pay attention to them. It is your life. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. It is always a pleasure. Until next time, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake the sounds they made kept you afraid in the morning you packed your bike memories forgotten from the previous night you rode faster than ever before was it your imagination or merely folklore fear turned into strength as you pushed further every pedal stroke stronger and firmer your bike your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles.
Thanks. Oh, death. Thanks. Oh, 